Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's so good to be here. It's been, uh, has it been a week? (laughs) I think it's already been a week. It feels like it's been a month, but it's only been a week. I am like just so thrilled. I'm so excited to have this show today. I can't even tell you guys. Um, I want you to meet Stefano Filippelli uh, in a moment, but um, also I wanted to let you know that today the Good Radio Movie Correspondent Brent Marchand is back with us. It's the end of the month, and so he's going to be joining us to recommend a few good movies as usual. You know, as an animal communicator, an activist, and an artist, it does my heart so good to find amazing people like Stefano in the world, to make sure that you know about them, and so when you encounter dogs in this world that need help or understanding, you not only understand what's happening to the dog in his own world, but you also know where to go for help. You know, there are no bad dogs, just bad people who raise them. Having said that, there are dogs who have been turned from their sweet nature by circumstance and would love patience and guidance and behavior modification, as we'll talk about. They can begin the healing process. Now, Stefano is a Los Angeles firefighter, as well as the founder and head trainer at Canine Intuition. He's an animal behavior college graduate with a certification in dog training who specializes in behavior modification. His focus is to work with the dogs who are animal reactive, human aggressive, former fighting dogs, fearful dogs, and dogs that need some help to regain their balance. And he's a choice of many California dog rescues who need help to rehabilitate some of their difficult dogs that they rescue so they can find them forever homes instead of the alternative. So please welcome Stefano to Frankie Sent Some More. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Frankie, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I, am, I, I was beyond thrilled. You know, I caught your attention um, with the video of Chance, Chance's adoption. That was the first, you know, interaction that, that I found out about you. And what an amazing video that was. And if you're, you know, if you're on the show right now live, you can go to um, Frankie Picasso, Unstoppable Frankie uh, on Facebook and you can watch the video or you can watch it at, um, on your, on your site, Canine Intuition on, on Facebook. Um, how, how long ago was, was Chance in your recovery stage? So uh, Champ got to me about... Or Champ. Champ, yeah, Sorry. About Sorry. Ago. Um, and he came in just completely broken, completely shut down. Um, hadn't been dropped off on the street by his owners and, um, sat there, literally sat in that same spot until animal control came, um, completely frozen. And then, you know, he was a rescue only dog, um, showed some aggression issues and stuff like that. So, um, one of our local rescues, um, adopted him and brought him actually, they're from Oregon, but I work with her quite a bit. And I brought him over to me and I got to work with him and it took a while, it took a long time. And he's actually still looking for a forever home. Oh, is he? Yeah, he is. He's still I... with me right now. And we hang out every day when I go over there to work, um, he and I hang out, but finding him a forever home has been a little bit difficult. Pit bulls are 
hard to find homes for. You know, there's a lot of them out there and, uh, but he's made amazing strides. He's really doing well. Well, I really hope that if you're listening to the show today that uh, you will go look at the video and you'll see what an adorable dog he is. How old is he, do you think? I would probably say he's about six, five or six. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes because they live rough lives. So, you know, you go by the teeth and you look at that kind of yeah. stuff. You know, it's hard to tell with him. He's definitely had a lot of trauma to his teeth. So um, I don't know what his history was when it came to that. Is he scarred up or? He is scarred up. Yeah. yeah. So he might've been a fighter dog. Yeah. Either that or just abused in general. A bait dog. Yeah. Yeah. There was reports that he had cigarette burns and stuff like that on his body. Oh my God. You know, some, some burns that are in more of a spherical shape. So. Well, you know what, as horrible as it sounds, I'm glad that those people gave him up and just left him because man, he, you know, hopefully he'll find a great home. Right. That's, we can only hope and pray. Um, so you had a dog, you had your own dog and your dog had some issues. And, and why don't you tell us about your, your, your entry into this world of animal behavior, behaviorification? Well, it's funny because, you know, I was a firefighter and, um, I've had many dogs in my life and all of a sudden I got this, uh, one pit bull and he was just beautiful. This, uh, you know, blue nose, they call him great pit bull. And he was gorgeous. Brought him into our house. He did great with my other two dogs. And then I started making some mistakes with them, you know, uh, negligent errors, bringing up to dogs I shouldn't have, excuse me, <clears throat> brought them up to, he ends up getting in a dog fight and then he gets into another dog fight and then another dog fight. And next thing I know, I've got this crazy dog in my hands. I mean, he was nuts. What kind of dogs did you have at home at the time? Um, I had a Rhodesian pit mix and then I had an Anatolian shepherd mix, two females. Oh, okay. And he got along with them. Okay. Yeah. So it was really the mistakes I made putting him in situations that he shouldn't have been in and then not explain with. that because people might say, Hey, I, maybe I should have uh, One of my neighbors had another people who was unneutered who also had some reactivity issues. Okay. Like, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Let's have these dogs greet each other. And, and, and so I didn't know how to do greets at that time. And I didn't know how to read body language. And I was thinking about it last night when I was sitting in bed, all the signs I missed. Yeah. I doing, right. All the, the body postures I was missing, and now I can see it clear as day. But back then, I didn't know what I was looking at. Next yeah. thing, the dog fight happens between the two of them. And then now, knowing what I know now, instead of just separating and bringing those dogs apart and taking you know Astro home, you make them submit next to each other and make them deal with each other and bring them to a calm, submissive state before we separate. And now you're dealing with it, and you're taking it from a negative to more of a positive. Right. So when I dragged them apart, took them into my house, that set in stone. That was a negative experience. Yeah. Yeah. another altercation with another dog, same thing, negative experience. And all these start to compound on themselves. And then I start to create this dog that's a basic monster. And so. So did he see you though, as somebody that, that uh, he needed to protect at this point? Like you weren't, you uh, weren't the leader? No. Well, yes, I wasn't the leader and not that he had to protect me. No, but you weren't the leader yeah. anymore. Yeah. So yeah. there was a, an a unsettling for him. Exactly. So he is a back of the pack dog. He mm -hmm. belongs in the back of the pack. He's insecure. Okay. So mm -hmm. a dog like that should never be in the front of the pack. And because he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't want to do it right. He's not a dominant dog. So mm -hmm. I took him and basically threw him in the front of the pack because I failed, you know? Yeah. So, um, well, you didn't know better. I didn't, but you know, it was just, it was the human factor. I call it the human factor. Right. And it was a human factor and it was the mistakes I made. 
And it was countless mistakes until finally my wife says, enough's enough. You either get this dog fixed or we got to get rid of him. Let's just talk about one thing for a moment before we go to where you got him fixed. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, I've had dogs my whole life. I, I'm a dog lover. So I am a dog knower. Yeah. But not necessarily true. And as you proved, and I think that's kind of an important distinction that people get dogs and they don't really do the homework, do they? And you can take a good dog bad real quick. Well, you know, and some dogs are more advanced dogs than others, you know, um, anything from a pit bull to a German shepherd to a Rottweiler, they're advanced dogs, you know, mm -hmm. not anybody can own an advanced dog if you don't know how to raise the dog. Right. But those dogs will step up and be those pack leaders if they need to be, you know, and I found that to be the case with Astro. You know, my other dogs I had were super easy, happy-go-lucky, middle-of-the-road, middle-of-the-pack dogs. Yeah. You know, loved everything and everybody. You know, and he was so insecure that that's what created this, this problem. Yeah. So, yeah, I knew, I knew how to raise a dog. Yeah. I just didn't know how to raise a dog that had any sort of issues. Yeah. And didn't correct those issues the right way. Yeah. Okay. So, so big problem. Wife's going, okay, dog got to go or else I'm going. Yep. Right. Exactly. So it was creating a huge issue in our house because what happened was my wife gives me a call. I'm at work. I'm on duty and I get a phone call. Hey, uh, Astro is latched onto a dog. Oh my God. Basically my wife, she came home, she opens the door, Astro breaks out. This little kid's walking this, um, golden retriever. I think it was. Yeah. Oh on. my God. The neighbors come out. They're trying to break it up. And sure enough, they get it broken up, bring Astro inside. And my wife's like, enough's enough. We're done. So I knew Caesar Milan was in my area. He actually is right down the street. But of course, oh, trying wow. to find how to get a hold of him. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a little research. I found his head trainer, Jennifer Gray. And so she ran his whole program over there. So I reached out to her. And she says, yeah, bring him by. He's probably not that bad. But once she saw him, she's like, yeah, this dog is nuts. And even Caesar said, basically, good luck with that dog. You know, he really? the worst he had seen. It was This dog was crazy. It would take, um, when I came back into the program, so he spent three weeks there with, with Caesar and Jennifer. And it's their rehabilitation. We were calling it reform school, um, which is basically what it was. Yeah. And so we... But you guys have kids, don't you? I have a son, yes. Were you worried son. about your son at all? No, he never once showed a human aggression. Okay. That was his saving grace. Because no matter how far into the red zone he got, he never redirected. And that was huge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. literally be trying to kill a dog and he would never redirect on me. So that was literally his saving grace. Um, so about a week into his rehabilitation, uh, Jennifer started bringing me back into the program. So I started to become uh, part of the training and it would take Jennifer and I both pulling him off the fences. When he'd go after a dog on the other side of the fence, he would latch on the fence. Wow. And we couldn't bring him out of the red zone. He would just be stuck in that red zone. Was daddy still there? When you took him? Uh, no, daddy had passed. Daddy had passed. Oh, I love daddy. <laughs> I think everybody did. Daddy was a great dog. So, yeah. uh, and then, so about at the end of the three weeks, when I got him back, he was still super reactive, you know, but we could get him out of the red zone. So mm -hmm. then the training started on my part. And every day off, I would train him. Every day I take him to the dog park, would not go in the dog park, but we'd work around the dog park. Um, Jennifer and Caesar were offering classes. Um, at the time they don't anymore. Caesar doesn't anymore, but, um, they had classes at the time. I would take all the classes. I'd be there eight hours a day sometimes working with him. Um, I was dedicated, you know, he was my dog and I created this problem. So I had to fix it. Um, and so it took 
about two years with her work. Wow. In that process, um, Jennifer came by one day and I had, I wanted her to bring her dogs by and kind of set up that same scenario that happened to my wife where my dog ran out. And so I had her dogs out there. Astro was in the house. I opened the door and Astro didn't do anything. And he listened to everything I said. And that was the point where, where Jen's like, Hey, do you want to be a trainer? And so that's when I started working for Caesar and Jennifer and I was uh, Jennifer's assistant. And then when Jennifer left Caesar, I went with her and we created a whole training program um, under Jennifer that I still teach out there along with my canine intuition. Wow. That's awesome. So Caesar doesn't do anything anymore. Not, not as far as training is concerned. No. no. And the, the school that you went to, who, who owns that school? Well, that's animal behavior college. Uh, I, it's just, it's a college. It's actually a local college that okay. you can do online courses or you can go there and learn. And they teach a lot of, you know, basic obedience, the basic training techniques. They don't teach behavior modification. Um, behavior modification is really a skill that you have to learn on the job around other trainers and through experience. And we found that people that have actually had to, you know, rehabilitate their own dogs tend to do really well at this because they've been through it. And yeah. we know, you know, they know what people are going through when they deal with it. So we dealt with a lot of dogs um, that we had to, you know, rehabilitate when we were there at Caesars and even now today um, at Sunny Day Acres, which Jen runs, we actually have um, a sanctuary going there where we take dogs in that will never find homes. And then other rescues also will send us dogs there and we do rehabilitation there as well. So the dogs that are there that will never find home as because why they're too old, they're too aggressive, they're too... Some dogs are just, you have to be such an advanced owner. So maybe mm. I can own a dog, but other folks are. So an example would be uh, Kibo, my dog, one of my other dogs. Uh, his video is also up at my Canine Intuition page. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Sunny, and um, well, I changed the name. It's Sunny uh, Story of Hope. And he was a dog that came to me also through another rescue. And this dog was nuts when I first met him. He went after me, he opened up the, the, the kennel to get to him, to be able to deal with him, and he just started trying to attack me. And I'm wrestling to the ground, trying not to get bit, and I'm tossing back in the cell. I'm like, that's it. Not working with that dog. He's nuts. He's too far gone. The rescue begged and begged and begged and, and begged me to work with him again. So I did. And we took him out, put him in a, in a little crate, metal crate, that we could take him over to an area where I could work him. He destroyed that metal crate in about a minute, two minutes, destroyed it. But that day I got bit by him, but it wasn't bad. But it was the day I saw that, you know what, it was all fear. Mm-hmm. He was heavily abused. And it was all fear. And so it took solid six months worth of work and got him to be really good. But he will never be that dog that can be owned by other people. And so that's where I brought him to Jennifer and we created, he was a sanctuary dog. He became a sanctuary dog for Jennifer. And then at one point I needed to help Jennifer out and I took him home to just to, um, she had to do some maintenance at, at the yard so I took him and another dog to my house and we fostered them for a couple of weeks and we fell in, I mean, I already fell in love with him, but my wife who was originally like, no way I've seen what that dog can do. That dog's nuts. There's no way he's going to be in my house. Mm-hmm. And she fell in love with him and mm-hmm. he's her so good. That was hilarious. He was just chill the whole time. And so um, I ran up by her. I said, Hey, can, if I can get Astro who's dog reactive and Kibo who's human reactive, whose name originally was Sunny, uh, to be friends, you know, if it, if it looks like it'll work, you go with it. She says, okay. So I don't think it will. Sure enough, it worked like two peas in a pod. Those dogs love each other. 
Nice. Uh, Kibo is, is, we changed the name to Kibo, which means hope in Japanese. Mm-hmm. My wife is Japanese. So it worked out. And he actually, we tried all these different names. He came to us with Crush. That was his name. And then. Um, his a, name was Crush? His name is Crush. Oh, wow. Lovely name. Yeah, lovely name. And then he, uh, it's one of the sponsors switched it to Sunny. They changed it to Sunny. Never responded to that. And so we tried a number of different names. And the one name that stuck, the minute he said it was Kibo. And he just looked, huh? And then, all right, that's your name. And it fits. So now Kibo, Astro, and then you've seen um, Olivia in some of my videos. They live together in there. Yeah. They've actually all taught Astro how to dog. How to oh, that's awesome. So your pack is, is, is now all balanced. Yeah, it is. Kibo still needs work. Kibo may never be one of my working dogs, but Astro and Olivia are. And he needs work against other dogs or or people or. So when I take him out to a situation where he's uncomfortable, Mm. he he gets really uncomfortable and freaks out. So I have to slowly keep integrating into these, you know, situations. So what I do is I bring him into my classes periodically and I show people, Hey, listen, your dog's got issues. Look at mine. You know, my dog has a lot of issues too, but I don't quit. We don't stop. We work through it. You know, no matter what he's doing, it's nothing personal. It's yeah. just, I to get through to him, you know, and, and send him down the right road and make him feel comfortable. And, you know, I, I guess that's the thing. I mean, how much do you love your dog that are you willing to work and do the work or just, you know, I guess that that's, really the thing right some people are real dog lovers and they'll stay they'll stick to it and other people are like oh i can't do this this is too much for me and they let them go and i i don't know like you know it's so hard for me because i i always feel like my dog is 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 my family and and when people just you know arbitrarily give up their dog i'm like no not your dog but maybe they should i don't know you know if if, if, if they're not the right owner yeah yeah i guess i look at them the same way i look at them as kids you know I'm yeah this thing he's my kid hey i created this problem yeah uh, it's up to me to fix it how can i create this problem and then go put him down yeah you know that's just that's not fair to him and i mm-hmm. can't give him something else nobody else can you know, handle this stuff you know and so it's just not fair so these dogs matter you know i i, I thoroughly believe dogs are our teachers yeah a lot of um astro taught me a lot when i deal with people sometimes i feel like i'm more of a dr phil than a dog trainer yeah. Because dog's telling you something yeah, and it's you to hear it because a lot of times the issues that we have with our dogs stem from us. Oh, absolutely. So, so it's up to us to, you know, to tune out all the noise and start to listen to our dogs. And it's interesting too, you know, because uh, you know, when our dog came, um, our kids had all left and you know, we're a little bit older and we're really chill. And so our dog is really chill. But then I look at other people's homes where they have anxiety and they have an anxious dog and you look at, you know, so it's kind of like they, they kind of pick up a lot of, a lot of the personalities that they live with. They do. They really do. They mirror. I always say they mirror you. Yeah. Yeah. If your house is chaotic. Your dog is going to show chaotic tendencies. If you are a calm, you know, assertive person, your dog's going to be calm and your dog's going to want to follow you. But if you're not, if you have anxiety, if you have things like that, then the dog's going to show those signs. So that's where it comes. It's really incumbent upon you to see, hey, listen, I see what's going on with my dog. This is what I need to do. And start to take steps to, to correct some things with you and watch how quickly your dog starts to change. Yeah, that's great, eh? It's, it's, it's about you guys. 
<laughs> so take take a take a look inside and see what you're projecting because your dog is certainly they're masters of of you know communication, but but the silent kind and they pick up all all of that. Yeah, you, there was a one time that was a really interesting experience. Um, okay, come come here. When I had was working with Sunny at the time, it was Sunny, and uh, there was a friend who wanted to learn how to walk. And I'm like, okay, here, take the leash. Let's go. And her energy was uncomfortable, right? And it was kind of all over the place. And you could see Kibo start to get agitated. And he starts to really ramp up. He ramps up. When he ramps up, that's when he's going to go. Yeah. He's going to lose his mind. And so I'm like, hey, stop. Give me the leash. And the second I took the leash, he wasn't even looking. He didn't see me take the leash. I was behind him. The second I took the leash from him, from her, everything changed. You literally watched him go. It how- all traveled down that arm, yeah. right? To the leash is an extension. Yeah. Well, did you see that? She says, yeah. She, he just totally changed. I'm like, that's how energy works with dogs. Yeah. That's simplistic. You know, the leash literally is your tether to the dog. And so when you are calm, they are calm. When you get ramped up, when you see a dog and you get anxious and you tighten up on that leash a little bit, guess what? They feel it and they know it. So I got people in this chat room. I'm sorry. I can't see you guys. I'm going to see if I can't see you. Oh, hi, Adriana. Now, she, Adriana has a couple of dogs. If you have any questions, you know, Stefano's here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's, she, her dogs are her babies. I know that. I love love, yeah, me too. Now I can see the chat room. I had to open that a little bit more. So um, how can people get a hold of you? If they, if they want, like, I mean, are you traveling the country at all to help people? I mean, I know you're a firefighter, you got your job, but yeah, there are times there's one case in particular. I just recently did where I went out to Missouri. Um, the problem is a lot of people, it, it costs money to come out there. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, my thing is, okay. Hey, I got to get, take time off to go do this. Right. Uh, of course. Yeah. Then the flight. So you got to cover all, a lot of stuff on that. So most people can't afford that. And so one case in particular was um, Griffey and he was out in Missouri and the people contacted me and they were at their wits end with him. Every time someone would come to the door, the wife would come home, the dog would turn and attack the mother. Yeah. Dog attack the mother? It wouldn't attack the mother. The excitement of her coming home. Oh, oh, it's so. Yeah. yeah. And so they were at their wits end. They're both, you know, like basically teachers and don't have a ton of money. And so we did a quick fundraiser. I think within 24 hours, we raised the funds to get me over there. I did a pro bono for them. Nice. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, they covered the cost to come over. I spent three nights there and did the best I could. We were on the right track with them and they're fighting really hard to keep him and to, to fix him. And we made some really good progress, but it's a long fight with them. Right. You know, yeah. Is there any way that you could do it this way? Like how we're talking now through zoom? No, you have to physically be there. Yeah. Because you, you have to, I can help a little bit and I can watch a little bit of what you're doing, but it's really hard to explain the energy and just show you what I'm talking about. Yeah. Actually being there. Plus yeah. it's hard for me to assess the dog without actually being there. Yeah. To yeah. feel what a dog feels like. Yeah. So, but with Griffey, that was, a, that was probably one of my most difficult cases. Um, first night I got bit twice by him. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he got me pretty good. You know, he was <laughs> quick. He's really quick. And, but after that, you know, we, we did a lot of work. I was drained at the end of every day because you're on, you're, you're like on stage. Yeah. 
What's the law there? Um, if a dog bites somebody, is it like one bite, you're two bites, three bites? Like, is there a law? Question. I really don't know. Um, like in California, it's, it's kind of dependent on, I want to say it's two bites in California, but it depends on how bad the bite is. You know what I mean? Um, right. So yeah. In Missouri, I really don't know. And I don't um, think he's ever reported because all within the home themselves, but they're working really hard on fixing him. Yeah. Every, almost every day we're talking. I just wish I could be there more often for them. You know. Well, everywhere. So many people have so much, so much, you know, that they need done with their, with their animals. I mean, we wish that we could clone you and just, you know, replicate, and replicate, and replicate and send you out there. So right now, how many dogs are you trying to have adopt? Right now we have three that I'm working on that need, we just got a bunch adopted right now, um, which is really good. And then, yeah. then we have a bunch as well. Uh, quite a few actually with, with the, uh, okay. So you got, you still got chance who I'm in love with. Okay. Yeah. And then he needs, he needs also somebody who's experienced yeah. because he's still in the rehabilitation process. I'm at the point where I can't do anything more until I get him into a home. Mm-hmm. himself he needs he needs somebody who's willing to take on the the, the challenge of rehabilitation so an experienced owner someone mm-hmm. who's done it before and somebody um, who's around a lot that would be nice yeah so maybe even a senior but an active senior who's well somebody who's he's a strong dog too so you know if you're gonna be able to walk him things like that you know you want someone who's definitely because he's a big boy he in the video you don't realize how large he is no yeah and I was How much does he weigh? Um, I'd say he's close to 70, 80 pounds. Okay. Muscle, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a strong dog. And then, um, and then we, there's actually a shepherd that we have that went back up to Canada. And he is looking for a home as well. And so if anybody's interested, what they can do is send me um, an email at canineintuition at yahoo.com or reach me on Facebook like you did. And then, you know, we can talk about which, which dogs are ready. Right now, not many are ready that I've got. Um, we just got Daisy adopted, which was a, a really cool case. She was super dog reactive, was on the kill list, was supposed to be put down when the rescue pulled her. And then she came to me, and she was super reactive towards other dogs. And so did a little bit of work with her. She actually took to it really quick, which was neat. And now she lives with another dog. Is there a difference in your training between dogs who are aggressive to other animals or dogs and dogs who are aggressive to humans? Is there a difference in the, in other than, you know, putting the bait in front of them, if you want to call it that, but is there in the the methodology, is it different? Yeah, it is. Well, it it depends too. Am I looking at a dog that has come to me from a rescue or am I looking at a dog who's the owner has the dog? So if Mm -hmm. a dog comes to me from a rescue, I have to teach the dog to trust again. Mm Mm-hmm. If the dog comes to me from an owner, then I have to teach the, the owner and the dog to trust the owner and have the owner step up and, and let the dog know, hey, listen, the owner's got it. So there are two different methods for this, you know, situations. Adriana has a question for you. She has, um, she has two poodles and they fight and she has a very jealous one. She says she's always trying to attack the older one when she gets near her. So when she gets near the older one, the younger one is very jealous and is that correct? The older one, Adriana, but she wants to know what can she do? How can she train this dog not to attack? Okay. Well, the main thing is learning how to, to claim. Okay. So the older one is trying to claim her. 
Okay, so the younger one wants to come up and the older one wants to claim. So that's where you have to correct that. And it's about being, and once again, it's kind of hard not being there. Sure. You know, I'll touch a dog to get them to snap their brain out because they start to fixate, right? So they'll right. start to pay attention to the other dog. You want that attention on you. Okay, so whatever you need to do, there's also like these cans are called um, uh, pet correctors. They make a sound. So you can have those cans to get the attention of the dog and then you need to correct the dog and basically say no and bring the dog to a submissive state. So a lot of times what I do with owners like that is have the dog leashed. That way you can have the dog sit. And I don't mean like a harness. I mean like a collar or a slip lead. I use slip leads because you can communicate sure. better. And so when the other dog comes up, you need to get the dog's attention and explain to the dog, right? And in a very assertive, we use body language, a lot of body language standing over the dog, making sure the other dog understands that you are the pack leader and make the dog sit and be calm and let the other dog come up. And that way, you know, the dog basically is learning where it sits because right now it sits in the front of the pack. It sits at the top of the, the food chain as far as. Sure. Food. And it's brain. You're my owner. I claim you. No, you're back here. You need to sit back here and let me do this kind of stuff. But it's, it's important to catch it early. Did you understand that, Adriana? I don't know yet. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. That's the main thing is, is dogs have to understand where they sit in the pack. And if your dog is being that way, whether to other people or towards other dogs, they need to be put down and checked and, and made to realize that, no, you belong over here, you know? Did you try that before? She says she's tried almost everything. She's in Brazil. Oh, that's a little ways away. It, it really comes down to how you do it. That's the important. She says she seems not to understand anything. Well, at least it's not the language. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I made her sit many times. It's not just making her sit. It's making her understand that you are the leader of the pack and that she, her place is not at the front of the pack, but at the back of the pack or the middle of the pack, but she's not in charge of you. You're in charge of her. Is that right? And the sit is not just to sit. It's, it's to, she has to submit. She has to be calm. So you're literally hovering, hovering over her until she's calmed down. Mm -hmm. And that attention is on you the whole time. So the problem is people say sit, right? Or, the, or a dog comes into my room and, and I'm eating and the dog keeps getting up to the kitchen. And I move the dog back to the living room and the dog comes right back. I make right. the dog sit and the dog comes right back. Well, because you haven't finished the process. It's not just the sit. It's that moment that dog goes, he's here and then goes. <sighs> when you see the dog do that, the dog is submitted. But if the dog is still in this state of coming forward. The dog hasn't submitted yet. And it's our energy and how we do it. If we're kind of hysterical or we're really excited about it, we're like, stop, stop, stop. Right. That energy. Whereas if it's just stop and give the dog time to process it, it makes a difference. It's how you do it, not just what you do. She says she defies authority a lot and she never bites the other. She jumps over her and barks. That sounds more like she wants to play with her than jealousy to me. But it, it could, I don't know. You can send me a video. I'm always hysterical. Oh, yeah. Send him a, bit of, a, uh, a video, Adriana. Show, show the process what it looks like. And maybe yeah, he'll, he'll take a look at the language. What happens. And yeah, and I'll take a look at it. At the canine intuition at yahoo.com. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so what's next for you? Just keep 
out there saving dogs? Yeah, you know. Um, Are you have, training people? Are you helping people? Do people, well, hey, man, I want to help you. I wanna, what are you doing? Like, how can they do this too if they want to? Assistants will come and work. And the easiest for me to do is was when I teach on Sunday, I teach on Sundays. Sunday morning, we teach classes. So we have our group classes. Okay. Uh, that's up in Aguadulce, which I know you don't know. It's, it's up in um, northern L.A. County. Yeah. Um, and we have classes there. And, and so people bring their dogs. And then I have assistants that, hey, I want to become a trainer. So come, do these classes with me. Assist. As you assist, I will teach you as we go along. And having a good assistant is worth its weight in gold. You know, and that's really where I learned was, was being there, doing it every weekend. You know, yeah. And so, yeah, so I'll have assistants come and they'll shadow me. And that, that definitely helps out quite a bit. We do recommend that they go through the ABC school as well. Um, and then, um, I was on their website and I just wanted to say that, um, if, if you are a military spouse, they will, um, not credit, but give you, you know, give you like a, um, a credit, you know, they'll help you with the donate, with the, with the cost of, of really good with military. Yeah, yeah, we get a lot of military vets that come through. And honestly, military vets, anybody dealing with PTSD, dog mm-hmm. training really helps a lot. You know, as a firefighter, we deal with a lot of PTSD. Sure. And so I actually find that working with dogs to be more rewarding and fulfilling than firefighting. Because A, it's an instant result. Yeah. Or pretty instant. You see a difference pretty quick when you really start getting into it. And then you're saving families. You're literally keeping families together and giving these dogs second chances that they may never would have had. When people contact me, it's usually because they're at their wit's end. This dog is done. They've tried other trainers. And so to be able to take that and say, okay, this is all we got to do and make it simple. And people go, wow, you know, I can't believe this. And they have their dog back. And that really does help with, with, with veterans and anybody else dealing with PTSD, because now you're taking what you're feeling from your past history and you're able to channel it in a way where you can actually make a difference in life and see positives in your life. And it gives them, it gives, I can see like with the soldiers, it gives them, you know, a new purpose, something, you know, something to focus on other than themselves and their own misery or their own, you know, issues kind of thing. Um, I love, I love that, you know, there's so many programs for, for the military with PS, you know, PTSD that they can, you know, receive dogs and dogs and help train dogs. And, um, I think it's really very good for mental health (laughs) all the way around. Therapeutic in general. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you've got a dog that's doing the right thing and you're training the dog the right way. And you've got this dog that just knows your every move, you know, and which is really neat to see. Yeah. Helping other people so yeah we always encourage vets and anybody else you know interested in dog training to come into it we need more good solid dog trainers out there you know and so the abc stuff gives you the basics which is really you know needed you still need the basics in behavior modification but then we you know once you show interest and you're showing that you can do it then we start to show you how to deal with and learn to read the body languages of dogs and start to be able to make those those decisions in that instant well, I want to thank you on behalf of all the dogs <laughs> that, come, that are going to come your way, that have come your way, uh, Stefano Pilipelli, for doing the work that you do. And if you want to stick around, stick around with us. Brent, are you here? I think you're here. Brent doesn't ever show his face. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I know. Brent, are you around? I, think, I don't think you're muted. Maybe he's waiting till. 
Let's see. Uh, hello? Are you on mute? He might be on mute, actually. Come off mute. Um, I'm, I'm hoping he's listening to us, but I see him in there. I just, I don't find it. Well, we know Brent's going to show up. He always shows up. He's, he's that kind of guy. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to talk about some really cool movies that are out and are coming out. And, um, he lives in Chicago and he gets like the best movie. Well, you live in Los Angeles, you're going to get the best movies. But a lot of times, you know, some of these can winners and all these, you know, wonderful little movies, they don't always come mainstream for sure. And you have to go out of your way to find a theater that's going to play them. And uh, that always disappoints me because I live in a smaller town just outside of the city and it's harder to, to see them if I don't make a big, big effort. But I'm always surprised that people just love just the formula and instead of like with the dogs almost, you know, the ones that have a little, little bit more, you know, to chew on yeah. and, and to think about it's kind of more fun, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just so, I'm, I'm so grateful um, that you do what you do. I really am. And I having on your show. It's neat to get the stories out there. Um, they can also get me on canineintuition.com as well. And, and it's a really great website. It's beautiful. I like the redesign. You, you had your own before. I, I, I saw that one. Yeah. And then yeah. I finally this one. And uh, Yeah, it's very attractive. And do you have all the videos on there of the dogs? I lost your volume somehow. I've lost your sound. I think, Brent, are you on? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. I, I've lost, I've lost, um, Stefano's vocals for some reason, but, um, I'm going to let, let, let's go to the, thank you, Stefano. Thank you. Um, okay, Brent, let's go to the movies. Let's, let's see what's happening at the movies. We're going to be talking about, um, a quiet place, the death of Stalin, keep the change, the party, and maybe Crown Heights. Let's talk about let's talk about a quiet place because that's really interesting. Um, husband and wife, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, uh, together in in one movie. Woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is actually kind of like the uh, the it movie of the moment. Um, it's really been tremendously successful. Um, it's part of a genre of movies that's beginning to emerge now, known as smart horror which uh, is a development I'm really glad to see because I'm not typically a very big fan of horror movies. You know, usually yeah. it's like too many, too many slashed up bodies and, you know, things like that. <coughs> Excuse me. But this is, has got an intelligent premise. It's, uh, tr it's production values and it's uh, storytelling manner are just really very oh, well done. Um, nice. uh, essentially it's, it's a story of um, the earth has been invaded by a, a, a band of vicious predators that hunt on the basis of sound and every quiet if they want to stay alive because if they make even a sound even louder than a whisper before they know it you know they have these these creatures attacking them and, and tearing them apart and it, it forces people to get creative in terms of the way they convey messages um, conduct daily activities and so on and so forth um, but more than that, it, it gets into some some deeper messages that are surprisingly um, insightful for a movie and a horror you know, for a insightful for a horror movie. Uh, it has uh, to deal with the ideas of uh, facing fear. Uh, it touches on the idea of you know living through the dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's really a lot going on besides just you know a creature feature kind of thing here. 
So um, this is a movie I recommend very highly. Uh, really, very well done. Um, very believable. What uh, age? What age would you say? For viewers? Yeah. I, I would say probably from you know teens on up. Okay. You know, little ones might be really pretty scared by it mm-hmm. at, uh, because uh, you know when when the action does place, it does it does kind of come from out of nowhere. You know, it really is the kind of movie that will. That has the potential to scare the crap out of you. Um, so I would definitely say from teens on up. Okay. But, um, but you know, I, don't let the horror genre scare you away if you're somebody who's looking for movies that have got, you know, deeper meanings, deeper ideas in them. Uh, you, you might not, you might typically think I'll never find that in a horror movie. Well, actually, you can. And this is a really good example of it. If I had to compare it to something, I would I would say it's many ways very similar to the movie that came out in uh, 2002, the M Night Shyamalan movie Signs. Yes. Uh, you know where people are dealing with these kinds of issues in that movie as well. Yeah. So it, it's not just a it's not just a like let's scare the bejesus out of people and and you know to, elevate to, the body count. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was really interesting that you know John Krasinski wrote this, and I don't think he ever expected it to be like a number one. On the on the weekend it gets released, right? And he didn't, oh, I, he didn't offer it to Emily at first, and and then she read it. She goes, "No, I want to do this. get that. Tell that other actress she has to go." Right? I want to do this. <laughs> that was kind of well, yeah. It's, yeah, that's the other thing that's interesting too is it's really good to see a quality film do well at the box office. Yeah, I mean, it, it was number one the weekend it opened. It dropped to number two the second week, but then went it went back to number one again its third week out. So wow. Yeah, this is um this is a movie that has tremendous staying power, but it's because it's a really high quality picture that you know. Is it was really really, worth what was seeing. the movie it was released with? Because I know it had really hard competition, and it was still number one. Um, the, the second week when it was out, it was up against the movie Rampage, the one about That's the giant it. ape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it was. Uh, so, I personally, I don't think there's really any comparison between the two. <laughs> Come on, the rock is hot. That's, that's just me, you know. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, I recommend this one really highly. Um, this will probably be around for a few more weeks because yeah. it's just done so well at the box office that uh, I don't see them pulling it out anytime soon. Even with the start of the summer movie season coming up, you know, starting this weekend. So wow. All right. Wow. We'll have to go see. We'll have to go see that. The Quiet Place, The Death of Stalin. Now I haven't seen it, but just looking at Buscemi and these guys in here, I'm like. This is going to be a very funny movie. Yeah, this is um, <laughs> this is a movie that's had tremendous staying power. It's been in theaters now for a month, which is remarkable for an independent film. Um, it's um, basically it's a satire that tells the uh, tells the story somewhat loosely of the power grab that took place within the Kremlin after Joseph Stalin died in the fifties. Uh, everybody is sort of scrambling to, you know, get a foothold to see how they can, you know, work to their own benefit and so forth. Um, and, you know, they end up climbing all over each other and forming strange alliances and getting caught up in all kinds of really bizarre, funny situations. It's uh, you know, kind of like a, a keystone cops of Russian politics in many ways. <laughs> so, That's so funny. Uh, yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, it's it's also got a serious side to it because, you know, you are dealing with people who were not very nice um, in terms of their politics and their social programs and, you know, um, uh, the way they treated the people. And uh, 
so it, it does have a dark side to it. So that's kind of the cautionary tale side of the picture. But um, along the way, it, it just it delivers a lot of laughs. Uh, it's got a great cast featuring actors from um, the U.S., the U.K., Russia, and all over Europe. So it's a very international production. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, the movie was um, – it was actually a, a British production as far as where it was financed and released initially and so forth. And it did pick up two, um, two BAFTA award nominations, oh. which is the, the British equivalent of the Oscars. Sure. Yeah. Um, and very deservedly so, because it's, it's really very, very well done. Um, like I say, it, I'm surprised to see that it's still playing in, in theaters after all this time, because usually movies like this come and go pretty quickly. But um, it, that, that's a tribute to just how well made it is. Um, it was made by a director named Armando Iannucci, um, who is probably best known as being the creator of the, uh, the cable series Veep with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and he was also um, uh, nominated for an Oscar for uh, being the co-author of a, uh, a movie that came out in 2009 um, which was also kind of a satirical comedy involving, um, you know, international politics called In the Loop that was starred um, uh, James Gandolfini. So he, it, it's, he, it's got, uh, got quite a, a polished pedigree in terms of the people who were involved in it and the, you know, the people who have, who've made it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I guess, I, again, I recommend this one highly. Uh, see it while I still can because I don't really know how much longer it will be in theaters. Okay. I'm sure it will, you know, I'm sure it will be coming to DVD probably not too far in the future. But, um, you know, I'm always a big fan of going to see pictures in the theater anyway. So. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> Stefano, have you seen any of these? You big movie goer? I don't know. I don't know if I still have his volume or not. Keep the change. This is the one I really want to see. And yeah, this is, this is a, a charming little movie. Um, it's, um, uh, it was a low-budget independent production, uh, first-time uh, feature director named Rachel Israel, who tells the story of uh, a romance between two adults afflicted with autism. And um, it's really very sweet and very charming, but also it's really kind of wickedly funny in the sense that uh, because you're dealing with characters who have this condition – they don't have the same kinds of filters <laughs> that most yeah. of us do when yeah. it comes to social social issues and so forth. So they end up doing some things that are really pretty outrageous and saying some things that are pretty outrageous that uh, a romantic comedy or almost any other film for that matter in any other genre could not get away with were it not for the what the nature of the characters that are, that are being presented here. And the so. they, these are real life people, right? Like they're not actors. Yeah, I mean, quite a few of them are um, people who were afflicted with autism, yeah. and the and the director uh, used some very innovative techniques when she was filming. She didn't want to uh, uh, interfere with the spontaneity that she was going to be getting out of uh, her awesome. characters, particularly the supporting people. Yeah. So when she was on the set, she was doing things like just turning the camera on and letting it run, rather than usually you know yelling the usual stage directions of roll them and cut and all that stuff. That's so she cool. just like she just filmed whatever whatever transpired, and then you know edited it down from there to get the best material. So uh, she did a tremendous job with it. Like I say, the movie is is really very sweet, very warm, very touching, uh, very funny. Um, it's um it's 
finishing up its theatrical run over the next couple of weeks, probably. And then we'll be coming to DVD shortly after that. Yeah. Um, the, um, uh, the, the distributor for this film uh, is a company called Kino Lorber. And you can be guaranteed that it will be available, you know, widely available on DVD because they have a huge, huge library. And um, <clears throat> they usually do documentaries and things like that, but it's nice to see them stepping into doing more with independent film and things like that now that have a, a fictional story to them. Um, so this one is really, it's really worth it. Really enjoyed it. Uh, very sweet, very fun. You know, nice. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> this one, I cannot wait to see the party. Oh my <laughs> God. Look, I'm just going to put on the character story because that is hilarious. Yeah, this one is uh, is a black comedy uh, that features a tremendous cast. And um, I love Patricia Clarkson. She's like one of my favorite actresses of all time. And Kristen Scott Thomas, love, love, love them. Well, everybody, everybody who was in this was like really perfectly cast. I mean, it's a, it's only it's only got seven characters in the film, but the, the people that they chose for the parts was done very obviously very carefully and very um, very skillfully, and they really came up with you know, a winning combination. It Basically, funny. it's the story of a woman who has um, been elected to um, a ministerial position in the British Kristen government. Kristen Scott Thomas. Kristen Scott Thomas. And she decides to host a small soiree to thank her closest friends and advisors for helping her through the campaign. And, um, you know, it starts out with the best of intentions being, you know, a, a celebratory evening. But not long after it gets going, uh, her somewhat, out of it, despondent husband, played by Timothy Small, um, makes a major revelation that he's terminally ill, which, of course, completely throws a damper on the celebrations and actually opens a can of worms for virtually everybody who's there because it leads to revelations from the other guests, uh, some of which <laughs> involve some very deep, dark secrets involving the relationships between everybody who's present or uh, or themselves individually and it just completely changes the mood completely it goes from you know what was supposed to be a happy occasion to being one that's full of a lot of um soul searching and and uh, uh emotional you know roller coaster issues and so forth but it does so in a way that's really funny and it's very the clever. humor yeah it's very clever uh the humor is very dark i will admit this is not something that you know, you're going to think, oh, isn't this cute and char charming and funny? It's really, it really gets you thinking about some of the stuff that's being revealed. Um, and uh, it really also kind of delves somewhat more seriously into themes related to the perils that come from not being honest either with others or even with oneself. Mm. So you're getting kind of a, you know, you're getting a message with the comedy, which um, is important, but it does so in a way where it's not so heavy handed that you're going to say, Oh, I wish I can't wait for this to end, you know, <laughs> anything yeah, like that. Yeah. So, a really good um, example of a, of a conscious movie, you know? Yeah, it really is. Um, and the other thing I loved about it too, is the fact that the movie is filmed in black and white. And that's something you don't see a lot of directors doing these days, but in terms of the subject matter of the story, having a black and white, um, uh, cinematography for a movie like this really suits the nature very well because things do become very black and white in their yeah. lives very quickly once these revelations start coming out. So um, 
This one is going to be, it's finishing up its theatrical run over the next two weeks or so. And then we'll be coming to DVD, I believe it's on May 8th. So if you don't catch it in the theater, you know, you'll be able to get it on demand awesome. either by video streaming or, or DVD or something like that. So, Okay. Do you want to do Crown Heights? Sure. Okay. Yeah, let's do Crown Heights. Okay. Um, th- this, is a, uh, this is based on a true story um, of a man named Colin Warner, who is a, a man who was wrongly convicted of a crime that he did not commit and spent 21 years in prison for it. Um, it follows the, the process of what he went through in terms of having to adjust to these new circumstances that were completely unexpected. And all of his supporters who were working to get him um, uh, removed from prison because uh, he was put there on the basis of what was really very sloppy police work. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, and it was really a, quite a miscarriage of justice because not only did he not commit the crime, but he ended up doing more time in prison than the person who actually did. Oh, jeez. Y- yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, it's kind of a um, a real uh, gut wrenching film in some ways, not to the point where you know you're, it's it's gratuitous or or uh, overpowering, but it certainly makes you feel very strongly for what this character is going through because of the just the rampant injustice and uh, ineptitude that put him into this circumstance in the first place. Um, the film uh, stars Lakeith Stanfield, who's uh, been kind of a rising star in recent years. He's been in other movies like uh, Selma and Get Out and uh, Short Term 12. Yeah. This, I believe, is his first star, his leading role, I believe, and he's terrific. He's just he, he really picks up the role and runs with it really well. Um, and you get a really good, you know, feel for what he and his character are going through in, the, in these very trying circumstances. Uh, the film uh, opened in theaters last August and didn't play very long because it really was hardly promoted at all. But it is now available on DVD and for um, video streaming online and so forth. And um, it got a bit of a boost during award season because one of its um, performers, um, I hope I don't absolutely mutilate this name, but (laughs) Namadi Asumuga uh, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in the um, Independent Spirit Award competition. Uh, He plays one of the advocates who's working to get um, Colin's character out of jail. Um, So it's it's really, um, you know, a very powerful film. Uh, very emotional, um, something that uh, it also, it, I, I think it really suits itself well to the DVD format. It's not the, thing, the kind of thing that I think would work as well on the big screen. Mm-hmm. I rarely say that, but it does, it, I think that would be the case here. Uh, so um, again, I would say this is, a, this is a really worthwhile film. So Well, thanks, Brent. I mean, there's a lot of great movies that you guys can go and see this weekend if you so choose and so desire. And I guess next time when you come back, we're going to talk about the summer blockbusters. Is there any, any preview hint that you want to give us? Well, the one I'm really looking forward to is um, the Han Solo movie, uh, which is a, a, a standalone spinoff story from the, the Star Wars legacy. Uh, spe- specifically focuses on the, the early days of um, Han Solo, mm-hmm. uh, you know, before, before the original Star Wars series began. And it was uh, directed by Ron Howard. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how they do that, how they treat it, because uh, he's certainly an iconic character in film history. So having his is own story. Is that Ron Howard's first Star Wars? 
I'm sorry? Is that Ron Howard's first Star Wars? I believe so, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and from what I heard, too, um, I guess he was brought in to kind of uh, clean it up and tidy it up, and he ended up pretty much refilming most of the whole thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. But, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, he's a, he's a good director and, uh, you know, he's done a lot of great films over the years. So it'd be interesting to see what his take and his treatment is on the subject matter. Well, thank you so much. It's great to hear your voice. Hopefully soon we'll it's see It's been a you. while, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you for, for joining us. And I really hope that uh, you folks will go to canineintuition.com uh, or canineintuition.com. Um, at Yahoo and, and write to, write to Stefano. If you have an interest in a dog, if you want dog training, if you have a dog that needs training, if you want to keep your dog, you know, from being put down, um, if you have a difficult dog, please, please, please reach out. There are people who can help you and you don't have to let it, just let it go. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to take us off Facebook now. Goodbye everybody on Facebook. We will see you again next week. And here we are back over here and I'm just going to stop our recording.